Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the All Things Weddings podcast. Scott here, just on my own for a quick intro. Um, a couple of months ago, myself and Hannah recorded with the wonderful Rachel from Ceremonies with Rachel. If you have any questions at all, please just reach out, drop us an email, drop us a DM. And yeah, thank you and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to All Things Weddings, helping you navigate your wedding planning journey. And here are your hosts, Scott and Hannah. Hello, welcome to All Things Weddings. I'm Scott, the photographer behind Scott Carney Photography. And I'm Hannah, the wedding planner behind Hannah Rachel Weddings. We're here to help you navigate your wedding planning, to freely share tips, insights and behind the scenes so you hopefully feel less overwhelmed and stress-free while planning your gorgeous wedding. Wanting on all our tips and to listen to us chat to some of our favourite suppliers? Well, then let's dive straight in. Hey, Hannah, how are you? Really good, thank you. Not bad at all. A bit tired around the edges, but getting there. Yeah, what have you been up to this weekend? I had my sister-in-law's wedding this weekend, which was really lovely. So was busy sort of prepping for that. They did a lot of it themselves. So had a lot of kind of last minute prep and running around and and things because they're very very laid back so kind of that was sort of took up most of last week and all of this weekend which was really good fun but I'm just on that I was just saying to you I'm just on that bit of a come down now because you get all excited for the wedding and then all of a sudden it's all over and you're like oh it's such a shame really yeah it's nice to like go to a wedding as like a guest as well, you were helping a lot with it, but like to be able to go as like a guest rather than supply is quite nice every now and again, isn't it? No. Definitely. So. And the venue were amazing. Like the whole team was really, really good. So it was nice to be able to just like relax and not have your wedding brain on. Like you kind of just sort of chilled and as the bridesmaid as well. So it was just nice to kind of like get involved and see it from a guest side of things rather than a planner side of things. But yeah, it was good. What about you? Do you have a nice weekend? Yeah, it was really nice. I was just saying then, I can't remember what I did, but yeah, it was very like just chilled, family. I got a couple more weeks and then got an open day this Sunday, but then yeah, a couple more weeks before I kind of have a couple of weeks of weddings and then obviously my wedding and then just, yeah, it's just full on from then really. So just trying to make the most of having the weekends off and seeing family. I went down to York on Saturday actually, see my brother and stuff. So yeah, just making the most of the weekends, I guess, before wedding season really, but it was nice. Yeah. So everything gets busy again. Where's your wedding um, open day, the wedding fair? It's at a place called Lake Henry, which is Alexandra yeah. Weddings. It's kind of run by those guys, like owned by them, but the place is called Lake Henry kind of. But yeah, so it's like North Allerton and like the TP, they've got like a four TP set up just on the lake there. So yeah, it's really nice. I think I'm there like six times this year. So it'd be nice to like, obviously they've only just put the TPs back up. So they're like the semi, you know, semi-permanent mm-hmm. ones. So they go up like, yeah, March time and then back down in October. So, so yeah, it'd be nice to like see the place because they're always doing a lot over the winter. So it'd be nice to see it. And then, yeah, ahead of my second wedding in April is there as well. So it'd be quite nice to um, see them all again. Ready that? Yeah. They've got waltzers at the wedding. So it's going to be quite fun, I think. But yeah, interesting to see where they're going to put them. But, but yeah, different, really... isn't it? But it's nice that you've got a venue where you can do what you like with it really you know that they've got the flexibility to be able to bring things like that and to make it tailor make it to how you want it yeah I've heard really good things about them yeah it's really good and they do yeah a lot of kind of celebrant and stuff led weddings which will fit nicely in with today's episode do you want to intro our lovely guest Yes. So today we're talking with Rachel from Ceremony for Rachel. So I've been lucky enough to work with Rachel before in 
a marquee wedding back in 2021, I think it was, Rachel, like a long time ago now, I think it was. Um, but we did a beautiful wedding over in Stilling Creek, York, in a couple of that garden. It was a beautiful ceremony. So we're really excited to have Rachel on the podcast today to chat all things celebrant led ceremonies. Yeah. Welcome, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thank you for that lovely introduction, Hannah. <laughs> My pleasure. So we've got so much to talk about, haven't we, Scott, with Rachel? We did, me and Scott recorded an episode about sort of outdoor marquee weddings, TP weddings, not that long ago. And loads of things sort of when we were talking cropped up about celebrant-led ceremonies and how they perfectly fit and complement sort of outdoor weddings. So before we kind of dive into that, can you give us a bit of background on you and kind of what you offer and how you're maybe different to a lot of other celebrants out there? Yeah, so I first became interested in and aware of celebrant-led weddings and particularly humanist celebrant weddings when I got married eight and a bit years ago. And I guess a bit like you, Hannah, I'm really interested in all things weddings. So we were, we got married at Barnby Field, which is just a beautiful venue. Of course, it's a, it was a fairly blank canvas. So you do your own decorating. We did our own flowers. My brass band played during the wedding ceremony and during the drinks. We had a, a curry. So it was a really personalized wedding and we we're interested in all those different components. So obviously, why wouldn't we be interested in making sure that the reason everyone was together, that central focus was as personalized as it can be. We're not religious, so we were never going to have a church wedding. They look great in photos. If it means something to you, then it's special. But if you're just pretending, saying words that you don't believe on a really important day of your life, then that's that's not really for me. And Personally, I find civil ceremonies, registrar-led weddings a little bit cold and impersonal. So we wanted something that kind of had the, the ritual and the fun of a religious ceremony, but no religion. So <laughs> that kind of set me on the path that I've gone down now. We were fortunate enough to be married by Ewan Maine, who's a humanist celebrant, and just working with him speaking with him on the day I was like wow how does he get to do that job I'm so jealous <laughs> and at that point you know I didn't really have the time because if you become a humanist celebrant it is quite intensive training you have to do assignments where you create scripts you do face-to-face -face training and you actually perform and get assessed doing a ceremony so it's quite a big commitment but of course 2020 came around and uh, I'm not very good at baking, so I had to do something else with all that spare time. So finally, I had the chance to do the celebrant training. And that's when, you know, I sort of found my niche, as it were. I really loved doing the training, getting to know the people on my course, thinking about different elements you can use in a wedding, practicing things like hand fasting and creating those ceremonies. So the ceremonies that I like to create tend to be sort of wedding shapes. They look like a traditional wedding. They have the elements that people expect from a wedding. But I think what makes them really special is that focus on storytelling, on getting to know the couple and making sure that they're really comfortable with everything that happens. 
everything that happens in the ceremony happens for a reason and because they want it to happen, not because great auntie Margaret expects it to happen or somebody's mum thinks that that's what you need to do. Everything that I put in my ceremonies, it's been done in consultation with the couple and it's special to them. It's reflective of their love. I also put a real emphasis on storytelling. So I work quite closely to get to know my couples and make sure that I understand how they've got together. And then I can tell the story in a way that's really authentic and engaging. And quite often I get people coming up to me, even the mother of the bride, mother of the groom saying, oh, I didn't know that about them. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really rewarding and just really lovely to be able to get really close to a couple, be at the heart of their special day, and then share that with the people that are important to them. So to be able to tell their story then, how do you, what's that kind of process? Do you have consultations with them, go through questionnaires? You know, when do they book? Because that's going to take a lot, you know, a fairly decent amount of time to be able to build up their kind of unique sort of script, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the the key qualities that I have as a celebrant is nosiness. So that stands me in good stead. So the sort of the formal process is once we have decided to work together, I have a a set of questions that I give to my couple, which focus on how they got together, what's important to them about marriage, why it is they're choosing to do this, because you don't have to do it nowadays. It is really a positive choice and understanding the reasons for why they're doing that and what's important to them about married life, what they're looking forward to about married life and what it is that they really love and find special about the person that they're marrying. So I give them a a good bit of time to work on that. And then once I've got my answers back, I start writing the script, start telling that story. And of course, it always brings up more questions, but that's kind of one of the fun bits for me. So we'll usually meet up either in person or on Zoom if they're a bit further away from York and I'll kind of ask all of the supplementary questions that have occurred to me and get all of that detail, find the bits where they're sort of skating over the juice. I want that juice that's going in my script. (laughs) And I also use that time as well to chat to them about different options for things that they can include in the ceremony. So some couples will want to do very traditional things like having a ring exchange. Other couples prefer to do something perhaps more visual, like a hand fasting, just getting to know them and thinking about what's going to happen in the ceremony, what will make them feel most comfortable and how can we make it really engaging for the guests as well. So it's really collaborative then? It is, yeah. I think you have to really want that. Um, I imagine there's some people perhaps listening who are thinking, oh no, I just want to turn up and, you know, get it done. But the couples that I work with tend to be quite involved. They see this as the central part of their day and therefore they want it to really reflect them. So there's an element of of effort and sharing, but I do work with them to make sure that it is the fun part of preparing for a wedding. Sorry, Rachel, you probably think it's it's all the things that you do, but I know it's the things that I do. <laughs> Yeah, I think that that is definitely a thing, isn't it? It's such a personal thing having a script written for you and you you want somebody who's going to invest in that as well, don't you? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so that kind of process of chatting to them and getting to know them, it really allows me to just create something that they're really comfortable with and really reflects them. Nice. Yeah. Look, I think, I think the biggest thing has got to be the personality side of it, hasn't it? Like the fact that you can, you can basically control that script with a couple and, and come up with it rather than it kind of being led by, you know, whereas like a, you know, registrar has to kind of follow a, a certain letter of the law to a, to a degree. So there's not mm. much, not much sort of personalization they can add there. And obviously they don't have the time with a couple before that you get. So should we briefly touch on the kind of legality side of the like civil ceremonies, humanists and registrars and vicars and things like that? I think that's probably the most mm. confusing thing for people, isn't it? Where even for me and I'll tell yeah. you, know, I kind of know the rules a little bit, but yeah, do you want to touch on that a little bit? I will touch on that a little bit. Yes, Scott. So currently in England and Wales, humanist weddings and celebrant-led weddings are not legally recognised, which is really quite unfair and a bit old-fashioned, frankly, because they've been going on for an age in Scotland now. They've been going on for a few years in Northern Ireland. So it is possible for the government to legislate to make this happen. However, they're dragging their feet a little bit and saying they need to do a sort of a full review and refresh of marriage law. So if you want to have a humanist wedding, then currently you need to also do a legal ceremony as well. Um, you can ask your registrar to do this, the absolute, the basics and the minimum, which costs around £50. Most registrars tend to hide this on their websites and what, so you have to be quite explicit with them that you do just want a marriage with two witnesses. Most of the couples that I work with choose to do it that way. However, sometimes you do find rather than them going to the registrar and just getting it organized a few days early, sometimes they like to do it on the same day. So they've got one anniversary date. And in that case, they'll need to book the registrar to come out to the venue. Most of the couples that I've worked with have done this quite discreetly. So they prefer to feel that their humanist wedding ceremony is the real thing. And that's the paperwork aspect. So I have worked with couples where they kind of, we, we did our ceremony, everybody went outside for a drink. And then later on, one of the members of staff said, oh, can you just come and sign some paperwork for the couple? So none of the guests were any the wiser, but it would be lovely if in the not too distant future we had the same arrangements as elsewhere in the UK. So it's worth noting, isn't it, that you can, you touched on the point of that a registrar can come out to your venue and you can do the lean girl as well as the genius or celebrant ceremony on the same day. That's only if your wedding venue is licensed to have um, ceremonies, isn't it? It's legally licensed. Yeah. Whereas if you're having like a marking or a TP wedding, you won't have a wedding license. So a lot of couples then choose to maybe have their legal ceremony a couple of days prior, don't they? In, you know, like a town hall or um, a registered Yes. Yeah. And I think I would really recommend that people do it that way because it just means that you've kind of, you've got one, one aspect of the formality and the legal side of things done. You know that you're legally married and it, it kind of makes it a bit more relaxing for people on the day. There are also occasionally registrars will 
place restrictions on what they're happy to do alongside a celebrant. So it just can make your day a bit more tricky to coordinate. So if I were getting married, well, when I got married, (laughs) we did do it, I think, a few days earlier. Yeah. I think when we worked together, Rachel, there was an element that you were able to be really flexible. You do one wedding a day, don't you? Mm. Um, And... It's no secret that our wedding, for whatever reason, logistically, the weather was really bad. We had some supplier kind of things. It it overran slightly, didn't it? We had to, for whatever reason, postpone it by a little bit. Whereas if you've got a registrar, they have a very fixed timeline that they will stick to. And if anything, if you're late, they potentially might have to leave, mightn't they, to go to another wedding and you might miss your slot. Whereas with a celebrant, you, most of the time, depending on who they are and how accommodating they are, you've got that flexibility to be able to, you know, tweak the timeline a little bit and work with the couple and their needs rather than having to have that pressure of having to hit a certain time all the time, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. So registrars, I think, typically do three or four ceremonies a day. I don't know how they live like that. I would find that very stressful because I just want to give everything to one couple and one ceremony. And once I arrive at a ceremony, I'm relaxed because I know that I'm there and the wedding's going to happen. It's going to be wonderful. If I had to be rushing off somewhere else, I would not be able to be as relaxed. I would not be able to enjoy it. And I'm quite a sociable person. One of the things I love about my job is that after the wedding, you know, I've I've handed over my responsibility to the photographer, to the coordinator. It's all on them to make the next thing happen. I get to go and have a drink and some canapes and chat to guests. Don't know what's wrong with registrars. I don't know why they wouldn't want to stick around for that lovely moment and you know, being part of that special day. But you're right. If, for example, the heavens open and we just need to, step to the side and hold off for 15 minutes we can do that if somebody's stuck in traffic then we can just chat amongst yourselves guests um it'll be happening soon but we just need to to hold off for a bit and I'm I'm always fine with that because I've kind of blocked out the afternoon to be there there's nowhere else I'd rather be yeah you touched on it Hannah just saying about the venues and everything and I guess one of the big benefits for yourself, Rachel, is that, yeah, if people are getting married at home or like say in a teat marquee in a random field or something that, you know, somewhere that's personal to them even and that means something to them, but isn't, it's probably not a registered wedding venue. It means that they've got that ability to have the ceremony to come to them essentially. And like I say, add to the personality of the day and, and have all that, which I think is probably one of the biggest times I see, you know, sort of humanists and celebrants kind of being part of the day is it just allows you to say not have to worry about having to go to the registry office or go somewhere else in the middle of the day and you know break it all up you can kind of just have everything in that one place and they say just do your registry office or whatever prior to that I think that's probably I don't know one of the times I see it the most I think that's a big benefit isn't it to like not having that legal side to worry about absolutely yeah some really lovely weddings that I've worked on have been in places that were special to the couple and Quite often that means the family home, somewhere that one of them grew up or, you know, the home that they've made together as a couple and they're looking forward to living in for the rest of their lives. And, you know, they can spend lots of time 
making the garden look beautiful. It's something that's actually an investment that they can carry on enjoying for many years to come. And working on a garden together is often a very special thing for a couple. So it can be quite nice to to reference that within the wedding ceremony. And people often invite me to do ceremonies in places that are important to them for some reason. It might be that they love nature. They want to be in a forest. They might love being outside. It might be somewhere that is their home and very personal to them. So that is definitely one of the advantages of a celebrant-led wedding. And I suppose sometimes when we sort of think about ceremony, we think about big ceremonies, don't we, with lots of guests. Mm-hmm. But the benefit as well of having a celebrant-led is that it could just be the two of you. You could be up a hill or a mountain or somewhere completely different, couldn't you? Just you and, you know, the person sort of celebrant who's conducting the, the ceremony. And I think... You don't have to have a big wedding. You can do whatever you want, can't you? Yeah, elopements have become more popular in recent years. I think a lot of people slightly embraced the opportunity that the pandemic gave them to kind of scale things down. If what's important to you is just being with your partner, your dog, um, a photographer and a celebrant, then you can create a really magical moment and I can't imagine a registrar sort of putting on their wellies and heading off at the hillside, taking the script. That's all you need, really, script and a a good waterproof. We're pretty agile in that sense. Whereas if you're having a more formal affair, then you probably need to have tables. You need some sort of structure. They've only recently loosened the laws about getting married outside in England and Wales. However, it does still need to be in a licensed location. So you can't be all that spontaneous. Whereas with a celebrant-led wedding, definitely being able to get outside and just do something creative, whether it's on the beach or in a garden or on a mountain, in a forest. Yeah, there's so much possibility and it, it all ends up just being really exciting for the couple. I bet it's something that photographers really love, isn't it, Scott? Yeah, it's like something I'm definitely, um, I've been to Scotland a few times actually, I'm jealous of them up there because they seem to, they're just a lot more commonplace, I think, because people either don't, you know, aren't fully aware of, of how it works in, say, England. Also, because of, like, say, the legally binding thing, it, for some people, it seems it's an extra step and it, they get confused by it, which I think it's great that we've cleared it up a little bit because, you know, say, no, it's a possibility because, you know, go to Lake District or so many beautiful places that, you know, in England, I just think it's, it's a shame that people don't necessarily always think about it. Yeah, they're amazing to focus. I've just, nice to be outside of a, a venue sometimes, you know, and nice to just have a different, it's just a different place where anyone else has got married and a different kind of, you know, I like say just background. And yeah, I just, I just like, even if it's just like, say a couple's home or family home or a location where, you know, they went on a first date or something like there's lots of like personality in those, which just always, I feel feeds mm. through into the ceremony. And it's just something you can't replicate maybe in like, you know, like say maybe a venue that does weddings all the time and can still be obviously a beautiful place and special to the couple, but yeah, it's just something nice about something a little bit different, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I did a ceremony last summer for a couple who got married on Armcliffe Crag, sort of near Harrogate. And well, sorry, they got engaged on the crag. And so they were able to have their wedding ceremony at uh, Armcliffe Valley, which is just below with the crag in the background. And then afterwards they went up and had photographs taken in that special place with their pets who had been part of the ceremony as well. Nice. Gorgeous little doggy ring bearers. Uh-huh. And 
a venue like that, they had a marquee, they had some flowers, but when you're in such a stunning location, you don't need very much to just make everything look so special. And the photography that came back was just amazing. And that's just because they chose to to do it in a place that was special to them and in a beautiful setting as well. Yeah, no, it's really nice. You touched on the sort of training and, you know, everything you have to do to sort of, you know, become like a registered humanist. So it's obviously not just the kind of, you know, you decide to be one and that's it. The next day you are kind of thing. There is like a structure to it, isn't there? Even though like I say it's not that legal side in England, there is mm. still a kind of a structure to actually being a humanist, right? Yeah, definitely. So there are different types of training that you can do. Being part of Humanist UK really appealed to me because I, I really like the kind of the emphasis that they place on values as well. So part of of what we include in our ceremonies is what's important to the couple and how that relates to how they live their life and how it will relate to their wedding ceremony. So going through my training, we talked about humanism, this being a sort of positive atheist, I like to think of it as. We don't believe in God. We don't believe in anything supernatural or an afterlife, but we have a lot of faith in people and science and reason we believe in respecting all humans and nature as well. So I think there's a lot in that that's very relevant to people's lives and people like to celebrate it on their wedding day. And the training, for me, I find it really enjoyable. We do things like selecting poems or readings, thinking about how we would introduce them, thinking about tricky things that can happen on a wedding day. Not everybody kind of comes from a a perfect family background. You might have to get used to smoothing over any anxieties. There might be people who are dealing with grief and loss. So how can we ensure that even though somebody important to them is missing, how can we make sure that they feel remembered and and they still manage to have a wonderful wedding day. So quite in-depth training, but I think that's given me a real confidence in my ability to relate to people who are experiencing, you know, high joy, but also perhaps difficult feelings as well and make sure that that's properly reflected in their ceremony and that I can just give them a really positive experience. And how long, because... Some people are put off by church ceremonies or religious ceremonies because they feel that they're quite long. How long would you say your scripts normally tend to last? So usually around about 25 minutes, I think, is the the sweet spot for a ceremony. It needs to be long enough that people feel like they've witnessed something, there's been a moment of change, they've all come together and they've seen something worth seeing, but not so long that they're starting to wonder about when their next meal is coming. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that, that is the thing. It's like speeches as well, isn't it? You know, there's definitely a golden sort of time where, you know, everything sort of starts into place and people don't get too restless, do they? And I think it is such a input for me. It's one of my favourite parts of the wedding day. I think the ceremony is one of the most important parts. And it is, you know, having that time to appreciate that, that moment of why you're actually there to celebrate the day. Absolutely. It's lovely to sort of hear that from somebody who obviously sees a lot of weddings and from start to finish as well, because I sort of see start (laughs) to middle and I I kind of leave just as it's all kicking off. (laughs) um, So 
What are your kind of top tips for, so if a couple's sort of, you know, listen to that or they're, they're researching for a celebrant and they think, yeah, it sounds amazing. Obviously get in touch with you, but what, what's kind of the starting point? For people? Me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what's the starting point for people to start like researching and how to find a celebrant or is there, does Humanist UK have a site that you can sort of see the registered humanists on there, things like that? Is there? Oh yes, it does, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have a, a find a celebrant map so you can, put it in your postcode and it pops up like a little Google map with lots of different people who are nearby you. Quite a lot of celebrants will travel for your wedding ceremony. So I would say a really good tip is to have a chat with the suppliers that you've already got. So particularly your venue, your photographer and your coordinator or your wedding planner. Those are the people who kind of see lots of wedding ceremonies from start to finish so they'll know who's good and who's not (laughs) and also if you've chosen to work with them it's probably that you've got a similar vibe you've got a similar aesthetic so they will be able to recommend people to you who they think you you would actually get on with it is important I think when you're creating your wedding that the people that are around you are people that you have something in common with that you've got you know, similar beliefs and values because you're going to create something that's really personal together. So I would say once you start having, once you've got a few names, have a look at their social media, at their website and get a feel for the previous ceremonies that they've done. Are there any sorts of events that you'd want to attend? Does that look like something that would appeal to you? Have a read for how they talk about themselves and the people that they work with. Is that a sort of a vibe that you identify with. And I think that that will help you to find people that really get you and will reflect what kind of ceremony you want. Do you offer a consultation then to have a, a kind of like a, a chat and, you know, get to know to know each other? Yeah, so I usually start off by having a, a chat, typically online, unless they're very local to me. And it just means that they can ask questions about how it works and we can both get a sense of whether or not we gel because it, it is really important that you do connect and you're, you're able to feel relaxed with your celebrant and tell them all those intimate details of your life and but also tell them if you hate the ideas that they're coming up with. <laughs> so I think it's really important that you both feel able to be honest. You know, I have to be able to say, oh, that might be quite awkward for your audience or that that could be quite difficult to do from a practical perspective. And I hope that my couples can say to me, I would rather die than do that. That sounds absolutely cringe. So yeah. getting that that balance, that communication, you only really get that by having a proper chat and, and being open and honest with each other. Yeah, amazing. One quick thing I've got, which I know obviously I guess couples will probably ask quite a lot is when it comes to like pricing and budget and stuff, I know you know, obviously with celebrant, uh, with registrars and with the church has kind of set fees of things. Is it, I mean, obviously with more personal touches from yourself, is there like a rough ballpark of kind of what a humanist charges? Is it just very varied like photography or is it, is there a kind of a range that couples should be considering? Yeah, I think that there is a range. I believe typically in the UK, people pay their celebrants around £700. I might charge slightly more than that, but you can pay from sort of £300 to £1,500 is the sort of range. So 
depending on where you are in the country, there's slight regional variations, but by and large, whatever your budget, there is somebody who would match that and would work with you. Most celebrants tend to charge a sort of fairly set rate and then additional time for travel if it's outside of a particular radius. Yeah, that's great. It just gives people an idea, doesn't it? Which is good. So that's good for them to know. Cool. Any other questions, Hannah? Have we like feel like we've done done well there. It's been a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of everything's covered, hasn't it? I think we've touched on pretty much every aspect of having a celebrant or a humanist uh, ceremony, which is nice because, like you said, Scott, earlier, I think there is a bit of confusion about what that ceremony style looks like and how it varies from a civil or religious ceremony. So I think it's nice to cover that and hopefully ease kind of any queries or questions kind of around it. And then obviously people know that they can get in touch with you, Rachel, if they've kind of got any further questions or any more sort of they want to go through anything in more detail, which is always nice to have a point of a point of contact, isn't it? Yeah. Well I always love answering questions about weddings. So whether that's chatting to you, whether it's people sliding into my DMs on Instagram, you know, having a look at my photos and asking questions. I'm very, very happy for people to distract me with those sorts of questions. Yeah, Yeah, anything wedding related is always a good distraction, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Cool. Where's the best place for people to find out more about you then, Rachel? We'll link everything below, obviously, but is there kind of a website, Instagram? What's the best kind of place? Yeah, so my website is ceremonieswithrachel.com. I am an AEL Rachel. So check that tricky, tricky spelling. And Instagram, again, it's Ceremonies with Rachel. So have a look there. There's lots of lovely photos and and gossip and stories and things from all the weddings I've been involved in. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time, Rachel. I really appreciate you coming on. You're welcome. It's been great chatting. Oh, bye. Bye. You have been listening to All Things Weddings. Subscribe for future episodes or head to allthingsweddingspodcast.com for all the show notes.